Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. You're listening to the series on the sufficient answer, the cures for spiritual sicknesses delivered by Sheikh Mikael Smith. In this series, Sheikh Mikael will be covering a beautiful book authored by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala titled Al-Jawab Al-Kafi in which he not only addresses the very common yet extremely difficult issues of spirituality, but he also addresses the philosophical crises that people suffer through. Sheikh Mikail will lead us through this book and bring forth very beautiful and beneficial discussions. So listen in, share with family and friends, and if you are benefiting from Qalam and everything that we provide here at the podcast and beyond, then please be a part of this solution, be a part of this project of educating all of humanity by going to supportqalam.com, support Qalam yourself, and also share the link with family and friends. And now on to the lesson. Salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Nawait wa ta'alim wa ta'alim wa tadakir wa tadkir wa nathwa antifa' We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, give us, allow us to correct our intention for gathering. And our intention is to learn and be reminded. Our intention is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by whatever we learn. Um, from Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya rahimahullah ta'ala um, and specifically because we know that the nature of this class is about the athar or the effect of dhunub, the effect of sins um, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this knowledge um, a means for us to distance ourselves from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a means by which we get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we begin Bismillah rahman rahim chapter 25 um, Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi rahimahullah now. It's right here. Ahmed, can you pass this to you? Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala, as we know, has been explaining to us the various effects and the consequences, we can say, of different dunub, different sins. Um, and the, the reason he's telling us that is that so we understand how heavy a sin is and the consequences that that disobedience could have on our real life and on our spiritual life as well. So uh, last week uh, we read some amazing examples um, that Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi explained to us the effects of some of the sins and we're going to continue with that here right now inshallah ta'ala um, with the next few sections. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah what he wants to remind us in this next section is that when we talk about, so far we've talked about how sins affect us, we've looked at how sins affect the individual. We've studied how sins affect the individual person, how they darken the heart, how they harden the heart, how they stop a person from seeing khair, and so on and so forth. Um, this next one, Ibn Qayyim al is asking us now to see on a broader perspective, Come on in, inshallah. Uh, sisters, just move, move up, inshallah. Um, if you'd like, do me a favor. Slide this up. It seems like no one wants to move up here. Um, you can move as far up as you like, inshallah. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, so now at this point, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala is now in chapter 25, um, asking us to look at the effect of sin on a larger communal level and not just a specific level. He says, chapter 25, al-Fasl, al-Ma'asi dahduth al-Fasad fil ard that Ma'asi can cause corruption or disturbance in the ard, in the land, on earth. And he says, وَمِنْ أَثَارِ الْذُنُوبِ And he says, one of the effects of sins and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala أَنَّهَا تُحْدِثُ فِي الْأَرْضِ أَنْوَاعًا مِنَ الْفَسَادِ فِي الْمَيَاءِ وَالْحَوَاءِ وَالْزُرُوءِ وَالْثِمَاءِ وَالْمَسَاكِنِ He says that the sins and the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can create or cause all types, أَنْوَاعًا All types of different facade or corruption across the earth In the waters, in the air, vegetation, plants and in the houses. And he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ عَيْدِ النَّاسِ لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْدَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Rum, verse number 41, that there has appeared across the, the, the land and the seas all types of corruption. Because of that with the, what the, the, the hands of mankind have wrought, that which the hand of mankind has sold for their self. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in order for them to taste some of that which they have done, in order that they may now stop from that or come back from that. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you see the effect of your sins in the earth, you see the effect of the sins in the land, and the reason why you see the effect of that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to do tawbah from that, to come back away from that. And then Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi he says that Qala Akrama, Bahar al Fasadu fil Bari wal Bah Amma inni la akululukum bahrakum hada walakin kulu karya al al ma. He says, This is referring to just across the world that we see all types of corruption and and disturbances because of what we have done, because of our own actions. And he says, "Qultu arada anna dunub sabab al fasad alladhi dhahara." Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi says that the sins are the cause of the fasad. The fasad is kind of corruption. Things aren't going well. Things aren't crops aren't growing. All types of different fasad or corruption happening on the earth is a, a, a effect of the sins. Now. Before we read further, I want us to put this in context of the kind of society and the, uh, uh, the common thought or trend of thinking that we live in today. The, the, the individualist, like pluralistic perspective on what I do and what you do is as long as what I'm doing doesn't hurt you, you can't say nothing about what I'm doing. Right? If I'm watching pornography in my house, it does nothing against you. And I'm free to do that because that's in the confines of my home and it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. It has no, it doesn't harm you. So it's the harm principle. That you're free to do anything. You're free to do anything so long as it doesn't harm the next person. That's the common understanding today. But our perspective is quite different. Because this verse is giving us a completely different perspective on the effects of my actions. And this perspective is that 
It's not about the individual, right? It's rather about the communal effect of actions that people do. The communal effect, right? So you watching pornography at home may not directly harm me, but you're going to come to work and I'm going to work next to you. And I'm going to be at school with you. And all of that filth that you just saw, I'm now dealing with a person in my society who has consumed that type of filth and has those type of thoughts going through them. So many, many political scientists talk about this concept of harm principle. What do we mean by harm? It doesn't harm me. And so what we're learning here is, is profound because when you sin, what we're saying is it's not between you and Allah, but the effect of that sin is felt by me too. The effect of that sin is felt by the rest of the creation. Let me give an example. The Prophet said that everything on the earth makes dua for the one who teaches people good. And then the Prophet said specifically, Al-Namla, that the, the ants crawling makes dua for the one who's teaching people good. The fish in the ocean make dua for the one teaching people good. And when we look at the Prophet then we understand him to be like his whole existence was mercy for creation. So the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is you can understand why are the, the fish making dua for the scholar who's teaching people good? Why are the ants making dua for the one teaching people the khayr? Because by teaching them that, it's being a source for bringing the rahmah of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu to the rest of creation. So those fish understand they get a direct benefit from the khair that people are doing. And there's a hadith I wanted to share with you guys. The Prophet Sallallahu he was once with the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum anjima'in. And the hadith says, Murrah alayhi bi janazah. The Prophet ﷺ was chilling with the rest of the Sahaba. And a janazah was brought past the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Mustarih wa mustarih minhu. He said, Mustarih, istaraha. What's istaraha? To relax, to, to take ease. Istarih, right? Relax. So, mustarih. Some people are, are relaxing. Wa mustaraha min. And some people are relaxed from? How would you say that? Some people, we, get, we relax when they're gone. And the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, what are you saying? We don't get it. And the Rasul Sallallahu he said, Qala al-abdul mu'min. It's a beautiful hadith. Al-abdul mu'min. Yastarih, the abd mu'min. When he dies or she dies, yastarih. They, they get comfort or they take rest from the difficulties of the dunya and the, and the nasabaha and the tired running here and there of the dunya. Ila rahmatillah to the rahmah of Allah. Azza wa Jal. Wal abdul fajir. Wal abdul fajir. And the, the one who disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lives a life of constant sin, constant disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasul sallallahu said, people are relieved from him. Bilad, 
relieved from him. The earth relieved from him. Shajr relieved from him. Trees relieved from him. And angels relieved from that person. And one hadith, the Rasul because we know that the earth that you make, that you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears witness. So subhanAllah, the hadith said when a, when a person passes away and the, and the body is on the, uh, on the ground, the, the earth is saying, quickly, quickly bury this person. The trees, all of the creation is saying, when a thajr, a dis- someone who's disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout their whole life, the hadith say, everything says, quickly bury this person so we can get peace from this person because so long that they lived, we were reaping the, 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 the uh, nuhusa or the bad effects of them living. The bad effects of them living. So the, the hadith is beautiful because it's reminding us that listen, don't think of your sins that they only have an effect. That's why, subhanAllah, a lot of our scholars, they used to say when we see all types of hardship happening in the Muslim community, when we see all types of different calamities happening, what would they say we do? Istighfar, collective. Collective tawbah. Collective tawbah. What does collective tawbah mean? Collective repentance. Everyone turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because perhaps this is coming to us as an effect of our actions. <coughs> the thing that we really have to understand though is this won't make sense in this realm of whatever I do in the confines of my house has no effect on Ahmed. No. <coughs> we, we look at it completely different. That the namal, the ant in its, in its, in its uh, hole is affected by my evil actions. And I likewise am affected by yours as well. So that, that's the way we look at sin. Not as it's a, a, a personal thing between you and Allah and the confines of your home, whatever. And similarly, when righteousness is done, the effect of that is felt by everyone as well. The hymn Tight. And that's why, you know, you ever heard, uh, what is it? Like how many times have you heard that in your life? Every Friday, right? Min sayyati, we ask you Allah refuge from the evil effects of our actions. Like every Juma, you're hearing that. Women amalina, and from the evil effects or consequences of the actions that I'm doing. So Ibn Qayyim al Josi, he says. <coughs> um, so he says here. والظاهر والله أعلم أن الفساد المراد به الذنوب والموجباتها يدل عليه قولي تعالى. He continues to just explain the same concept, but I really want us to understand that um, we, uh, our actions, what we do, affects others as well, and we can't look at it as this that whatever I do is only affecting me, but rather we we look at it as a ummah. You know the Prophet Sallallahu talks about the Ummah? When one part hurts, the other part hurts as well. That's the same concept as well here. Alright, next one insha'Allah. Number 26. That was number 25. Mm-hmm. Chapter number 26. If Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi now is returning back to you, yourself, how do the sins directly affect you, Isa? How does it directly affect Ahmed? How does it directly affect Mikayu? Like, how does it directly affect me? He says, "Women, One of the evil effects of sins, Anha min 
He says that one of the effects of sin is that it takes away or puts out the fire of ghayrah. Now, ghayrah is an extremely difficult, heart, a difficult word to translate um, into um, English. Um, sometimes it's translated as like jealousy. Like when the Prophet Sallallahu was going to marry uh, Sauda. Sauda, I believe, radiallahu anha. And he asked to marry her. She said a no for two reasons at first. Those two reasons were, she said, I have a lot of children. You have to help take care of them. And number two, Um Salima, Jazakallah Khair, Jazakallah Khair. Um Salima said two reasons. Number one, I have a lot of children. You have to help take care of them. Number two, she says, I, I, I got ghayra. She used the word ghayra. I need us to understand this word. Because in this situation, it means jealousy. But what we learn from hadith is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ghayra too. And there's one hadith that says, there is nothing that incites the ghayra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than seeing two people disobey Allah and specifically two people committing zina. So, so Rasul Sallallahu he once said about a Sahabi, look how much ghayra he has. Like he was doing something and he was joking with the Sahaba. He said, look how much ghayra he has. And then he says, but guess what? Allah has more ghayra. Allah has more. And everyone's like, what do you mean Allah has ghayra? Right? But Allah, Allah owns you. And when he sees you obeying your hawa, when he sees you obeying shaitan, then, then, then that ghayra, that jealousy comes. Why are you obeying Allah? Why are you obeying shaitan? Why are you obeying your hawa? Your mind. Right? So ghira, sauda radiallahu anha. So what the Prophet say that uh, Um Salama radiallahu anha. He says, as for the children, don't worry. Allah will provide. As for the ghira, I'll make dua. I'll make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Calm that ghira. See, so we have two types of ghira. Make sure you write this down. You have a natural, natural ghira. A natural ghira. Right? And that's the ghira that a woman feels for her husband. Or a husband feels for his wife. That ghira. Right? And there's another ghira which is ghira shar'i. Which is a ghira that the Prophet Sallallahu had um, when it comes to seeing disobedience of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Seeing disobedience of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala should in, 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 uh, uh, cause this type of ghira inside to, to raise up inside of you. And it's a, it's a healthy, it's a healthy ghira. It should be checked always by sharia. But the point being is there's two. There's a natural ghira and then this shari ghira as well. <coughs> now what Ibn Qayyim and Josie, once we've understood the word, you can't just call it jealousy though. It's not just, jealousy isn't strong enough for all that is kind of inside of this. You know, all that's inside of this word. Um, as we look at sins, you'll see, you'll see why in a minute. Um, so he says, look what he says. He says, one of the effects of sins is that it, it puts out from the heart this fire of ghira inside. This fire of ghira, which is lihayatihi wa salatihi, which is like for, your, for, for the heart's life and well-being, it's like the heat for your body. You know how your body has a natural heat? He says that ghira is natural and should be inside your heart. فَغِيرَةُ حَرَارَةُ وَالنَّارُ الَّتِي تَخْرُجُ مَا فِيهِ مِنَ الْخُبَثِ 
He says that ghira is what keeps uh, evil things out of you. It keeps those negative things uh, away from you. So he narrates the hadith. He says, so in a Sahih Hadith, he looks at Sa'ad. He says, you guys see how much ghira Sa'ad has? Guess what? I have more ghira than him. Like I get upset when I see uh, things that aren't right. It doesn't feel right. I don't like it. It feels wrong. And it's, it's that, that feeling that, no, this shouldn't be like this way. And he says, and Allah has more ghira than I have. And then he gives a few more ahadith. He says, Oh, so this hadith is beautiful. He says, Here's another hadith regarding ghira. He says, There is no one that has more ghira than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Has everyone kind of understood this word ghira? Everyone kind of understood the word ghira. Saf? Okay. Min ajli There's no one that has more ghira than Allah. For that reason, Allah has made the indecent haram. Ma dhahra minha wa ma batan. The external and the internal. Wala ahadan. Now listen to this. Wala ahadun ahabba ilayhi al-udhr min Allah. And there is no one that loves an excuse more than Allah. Min ajli dhalika arsar rusul. Because of that, Allah sent prophets to us to teach us. Wala ahadin ahabba ilayhi al madh min Allah. There is no one that loves praise more than Allah. Min ajli dalika athna ala nafsihi. That is why he has praised himself. Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi says, Now, what do you notice about this hadith? He said, There's no one that has more what than Allah. Number one, ghira. First one. And number two, praise. Number two, excuse. excuse. No one that accepts the excuse quicker. Look what Ibn Qayyim al Jawzi he says. He says, فَجَمَعَ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ بَيْنَ الْغِيرَةِ الَّتِي أَصْلُهَا كَرَاهَةِ الْقَبَاعِ He says, in this one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ combined two things. One thing which is ghira, which the basis of it is to hate evil and nasty things. وَبَيْنَ مُحَبَّةِ الْعُذْرِ and, and between loving the excuse. الَّذِي يُوجِبُ كَمَالِ الْعَذْرِ وَالرَّحْمَةِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ That which brings rahmah, mercy, and, 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 and uh, ihsan. Look, someone does something wrong. Your ghira jumps up. Why are you doing that? Right? Your ghira jumps up. Right? If you're married, now everyone, most people here ain't married, so I can't really give a lot of married examples. <laughs> and I ain't giving no like haram examples for sure, right? But like halal ghira, you're like, wait, no, why? Why are you messaging that person? Uh-uh. No, it's just a coworker. Uh-uh, no. Ghira, right there. Ghira, it dislikes what's qabah, what's, what's qabih, what's not good. But what's the opposite of that? Is qubur al-udr, to accept an excuse. So he says there's no one that has more ghira than Allah, but there's no one that loves the excuse more than Allah. So he says he combined two beautiful aspects. That the ghira is, 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 is at the highest level with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But also at the highest level is the qubur of the other, the acceptance of the excuse. Someone does wrong and they're like, Ya Allah. Right? That's that, that's that qubur al other before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says here, he says, We'll skip that part. 
والمقصود. He says in the point of this particular one. So what was the what were we saying here? We're talking about غيرة, and what does he say? The effect of the sin is that it takes the غيرة out of a person, right? So he says والمقصود أنه كلما اشتد ملابسه للذنوب as a person continually disobeys Allah, commits more sins, commits more sins, more sins. أخرجت من قلبه الغيرة غيرة comes out of this person's heart. Slowly, just taken out, taken out, taken out. على نفسه He'll have no غيرة on himself, no self-respect. No self-respect. Right? No self-respect. Number one, وعلى أهله No غيرة over his family. His family could do whatever. And no feeling of غيرة. No feeling of غيرة for whatever they do. وعموم الناس and umum and nas, and no ghira for what any people are doing. As this person continually disobeys, that hatred of wrong, which he calls ghira, is taken away from himself. No more ghira for himself. No self-respect, no decency. No ghira on his family, his sister, his mother, his brother. Nope, they do things, he's like, what does it matter to me? Right? And for umum and nas. وَقَدَ تَضَعَفَ فِي الْقَلْبِ جِدًّا he says this thing can continually multiply inside a person's heart, continually, continually, continually. Until a person doesn't doesn't deem anything wrong as wrong. Not from their own selves and not من غيره. And he says when a person then reaches this level, the person has entered into the door of destruction. He has reached or she has reached the complete uh, uh, limit. Okay, وَهَذَا يَدُلُّكَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ أَصْلَ الدِّينَ Listen closely. He says, this should tell you that one of the most important aspects of the deen is غيرة. One of the most important aspects of the deen is غيرة. Aisha had a lot of غيرة. She had a lot of غيرة for the Prophet And even when she saw things wrong, she had to speak up, right? She, she, that, that affected her deeply. She had a lot of ghira. So he says, look, this should tell you something. Allah anna asl al-deen al-ghira. Ghira is an asl of the deen. What does asl mean? An essential aspect of the deen. It's a core element. وَمَنْ لَا غِيرَةَ لَا لَا دِينَ لَا The one with no ghira has no deen. فَالْغِيرَ Now listen to the psychology behind how, how ghira works. Listen to this. This is beautiful. He says, فَالْغِيرَ تَحْمِلْ قَلْ the, the, the ghira heats up the heart. Write this down, this is beautiful. He says, Al ghira, Ahmed, can you turn the AC a little bit? I don't know how, but i It's the same as your home, man. Okay, where is it? It's right here. It's a little cooler. I'm so sorry, guys. Jazakallah khair. It's like, I don't know how. It's like, it's the same thing, man. It's like at home, bro. You got it? Yeah, I got it. All right, cool. He says, listen to this. He says, ghira. Heats up the heart. You know when you get that jealous, how the heart heats up. Like it's just boiling over. So same way with the sin. You see the sin, it's like, you know, it heats up the heart. The heart then make the, uh, the limbs kind of uh, heat it. Now once it reaches the limbs, that's when the su, the evil is then stopped by the person. Like, no, no, stop. I'm stopping this thing. But he's like, where's the source of that stoppage? 
the ghira that started right here. The ghira that started right at this point. He says, if a, if a person has went through jahiliyyah and witnessed their own family go through things like drug addiction and... I mean, the whole life out there. When you see someone that goes all out, they go into drugs. And what drugs leads a person to is like the worst of worst. Like once a person's on drugs, they have no self-respect anymore. They will do anything for that. And when I say anything, I mean anything. And people take advantage of that. Right now, most of us as Muslims, we have this natural ghira for our family members. But I don't think you can truly appreciate this unless you've seen someone you love just go all the way where you had where you lost Lira completely. Where you 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 just completely lost any type of Lira for whatever actions they were involved in. Whether they were in drugs, whether they were doing illicit, whatever it may be, you just lost all feeling for for that. Right? And to come into Deen and have this concept of, of ghira back is so such a beautiful thing. Do you understand? I, it's hard for me to really put this in words, but if you've witnessed your mother, if you witness your sister, and, 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 and may Allah protect us all, but if you've witnessed them just like out there, then you know what it feels to have ghira taken from your heart. Do you get what I'm saying? Like to see someone with your mom. What does that do to your mind right now? You're like, you see what I'm saying? Like you're, you're even turning red with me just saying it, right? You're like, but imagine if that was just stomped out of your heart. Like you saw it so many times that it was just done. Like imagine how your heart just dies from that. Do you guys get what I'm, I'm saying? So like what we have in the deen, this ghira for your sister, ghira for your brother. You know what I'm saying? You're ghira for your brother. Like, you know, I, I know someone, right? But the ghira that a sister has for her little brother, she's like, who's that? Who's that on Instagram? Why are you liking my brother's stuff? No, who are you? Serious? Am I, am I, is it not true? Like, who, what's going on? And, and that ghira she has, no, uh-uh. As a sister, for her, that's a beautiful aspect of our being. And it's part of it is that we feel responsible and we're so attached to one another that, you know, it hurts me what I know is going to hurt you or people taking advantage of you. And so now it goes too far where we see the Arabs at the time of the Prophet they had so much lira that instead of having a baby girl that they raise up, what would they do to the baby girls? They're, because the lira was too high. Now that's too much lira. And there are some of our cultures that have way too much lira. Okay? How's that yeah. Oh, because they, didn't, they, they, they were burying their daughters because they felt they could not see this daughter with a man like, like being in a relationship with a man later in life. Like that was, that was aib to them. That was extremely like, what some man is going to be with this, my daughter? That's extreme uh, aib to them. Too much lira. Too much. 
No, that wasn't it. No, it was the ghira. The primary thing was the ghira that they had that someone is going to be with this woman and my my, off, my daughter later on and that level of ghira is what led to that. There are many narrations that, that, that hint to that idea, definitely, without doubt, without doubt. So the, the point before we go on, he says that the primary thing which leads you to stopping the wrong, listen up, I'm, listen, please listen to this. The primary thing that leads you to stopping the wrong, like a, a, a sibling of yours is addicted to drugs and going all out, your ghira is like stopping them at the door. No, you're not leaving. Uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's why one of the things that was difficult for me, I don't know if this is gonna hit home, but like prom night to me was kind of like, after Islam, I'm like, how does Lira allow prom night? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand that. Because as a, as a young guy who went through Jahiliyyah, I know what prom night meant. Right, Isa? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Like, we don't play, we don't play games, right? Yeah. We know what prom night meant. And, and prom night was just like dad at the door like, bye, hon, see ya. I'm like, really? Really? Hey, maybe Islamic schools do it differently. I don't know, but. <laughs> but again, there's levels of ghira that are too much, no doubt. But there's healthy ghira, and it's it's something we don't talk about, right? We don't we don't we don't kind of talk about it. And I'm so happy that Ibn Qayyim and Josie brought it up that the sin, disobedience of Allah, because okay, now let's talk about this. Why does ghira leave your heart as you sin more? He's saying because you're losing ghira for yourself. By your disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you've lost ghira on your own self, that Allah see me in this way, doing this type of sin, like I have no shame before Allah with this type of sin, that now that ghira for anything other than me, but it starts with you. As you disobey Allah more, you lose ghira for yourself, and then that goes on to everyone else around you. <coughs> so this, what is he, this is what he's saying. فَالْغِيرَة, uh, he says, وَأَدْمُ الْغِيرَة تَمِيتُ الْقَلْبِ the heart dies, then the limbs stop. The limbs aren't stopping anything. Oh, do what you want. Dad's like, yo, kids coming and going anytime at night. Do what you want. I don't care. Go ahead. Really? Subhanallah. Um, he says, he says the example of ghira in the heart. Here's another example. He says the example of ghira in the heart is like the immune system in the body. Beautiful example. The white blood cells are like ghira in the body. The moment something comes in, it's like, why are you here? Yo, wallahi man, the Islamic, I love, maybe I'm still in my convert phrase, alhamdulillah, may Allah keep it, but like the concept of like a brother and a sister, a brother and a father, like who are you at the door? <clears throat> That's beautiful, man. That's, you know what I'm saying, Ahmed? Like Ahmed, we gotta go through Ahmed to get it past the door. And Ahmed has ghira. Like those white blood cells stopping anything foreign from coming in this body. Ibn Qayyim and Josie says ghira is just like the white blood cells in the body. The moment something foreign comes in, they're on it right away. Who are you? What do you want? Why are you here? Who are you asking? Huh? How old are you? 
<laughs> How much money you make? <laughs> more, give me more. I want to know. All right, cool. And subhanAllah, if you look at African-American culture 40 years ago, 50 years ago, those fathers had a ghira, man. I'm talking about American culture. Ghira, serious ghira. <coughs> like, no, who are you? What are you talking about? Why are you calling here? Huh? Can I help you? Seriously. But as more I'm free, who are you to speak? Who are you to feel? Who are you? Who are you? That whole, not a part of the community anymore. Not a part of the family anymore. So again, I just want to, just, just want us to understand this example. He says, the example of ghira in the heart is just like the white blood cells. The moment something foreign comes in, they're on it. Just like that. Just like that. The only people that don't like the shepherd are the wolves. That's it. That's it. You know what I'm saying? That's my wife. I'm looking at my wife. <laughs> my brother's like, I got a theater now. You know? What you looking at over there? I feel you. You're supposed to. Seriously. MashaAllah. Alright. But you know, I, I'll tell a joke right now. You know, I'll tell a joke. So obviously I'm a convert, right? So we used to be talking about ghira in class. And then, you know, uh, so when I was engaged, I was still a student. So if, if any of my classmates cracked a joke, then I'll be, you know, act all like, you know, serious and like, they'd be like, yo, man, you just got your ghira like six years ago, bro. Why are you crying? Because I'm a convert, right? So if you go through that life, you gotta lose a lot of ghira. When it comes to brothers and sisters and, and, and you don't, you can't, how can we explain it to them? It's hard to explain. You're not getting it? When you witness people close to you doing all types of sins that should make you angry but you just have to eat it, then you lose that ghira. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Okay. So you lose that. You lose the feeling that you see some dude with your with your sister. You lose that. Like, it's nothing. Yes. It's like being burned over and over and over and over again in the same spot to the point that you don't even feel anymore. There you go. It's just exposed bone. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. say. Like, you're here right now, you feel it. Like, someone with your sister, you're like, yo, yo. Your heart doesn't, you're like, yo, what's going on? And that's natural, that's beautiful. Because we're a family. You get what I'm saying? But when you burn a spot over and over again, build a callus on it. So my classmates joke to me, was like, yo, you just got Lita, bro. What you talking about, man? You know, so khayr inshallah. You, you get the point? But, but, what's the point of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi? As we disobey Allah, the ghira keeps dropping. The ghira keeps dropping. Just desensitizing yourself so it affects everything else as well. Exactly. Jazakallah khair. Beautiful. But this example is beautiful. I love this example where Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, the example of ghira in the heart is like the white blood cells in the body. The moment something foreign comes in, they're on it right away. On it right away. So if you have a father with ghira, man, that's a beautiful blessing too, guys. Like, that's a blessing, man. That's a blessing. A father with ghira, a brother with ghira. 
Some people don't have, they don't have no one that cares about anything that they do. You feel me? So that's a blessing. It's a blessing. Okay. He says, you know, you know how a, a, a you know, a, a, a cock has a spur, right? A rooster uh, has a spur, right? Is that a spur? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No one's been on a farm ever. We in Texas. Where's the FW? Yeah, people say Texas, they think we ride around on, on uh, horses down here, right? So, so a cock or a rooster has a spur. Has a spur. And the spur is like this little thing that sticks out of its uh, uh, claw. And it literally like fights with that. That's why they do like cockfighting, right? Because they fight to the death. You know what I'm saying? So he says here that the example of Ghira is like that spur. Like it, 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 lets a, it lets another rooster know back off. He says, but if you cut that off, other roosters know, oh, his whole hen house is fair game. You get it? Now. Uh, I'm just a little bit confused about uh, if you have like a member of the family who um, been doing something that's not supposed to be doing and that you lose that data, but you didn't commit the sin. Why would you yeah. So, so what we're going to do, um, I was asked by multiple people if we could save the questions for the end. Um, so I'm going to take that question at the end, inshallah. Okay? I'm going to take that question at the end, inshallah. Okay? Um, so, bismillah, next one, inshallah, number 27, saw? So, ghira. Ghira is gone because of sins. And that's the effect of us sinning. Ghira is taken away. Tell you. Next one. <coughs> next one. And, and another thing is ghira for your prophet, Sai Sadam. That was something that was on my mind for a minute. Like, there should be, there's ghira that we have for the prophet, Sai Sadam. Sahaba had high ghira for the prophet, Sai Something said about him. Just the same way something said about your mother. Like, that's grounds for like, courts will dismiss things because of temporary insanity because of the anger that, that comes up. Because of certain things, right? So there is, there's so many examples of the prophesied, the Sahaba having such lira for the prophesied, and we've been really desensitized where we don't have much lira uh, as much, right? So that's another area of lira uh, that we should have. Next one, 27. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah, he says, Al-ma'siyah tadhabu al-hayah. Ma'siyah, disobedience of Allah, will take away your hayah. Will take away your hayah. Wa min uqubat iha dhihabu al-hayah. He says, and part of the uqubat, uh, or the uh, negative effects, of disobedience of Allah is that dihabul haya. It will take away haya completely. He says haya, and I'm gonna explain haya. I'm gonna explain it in a minute. Haya is the mada. It is the main part of your uh, life of your heart. Haya shame. Now, there's a hadith that Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. من كلام النبوة الأولى إذا لم تستحي فاسنع ما شئت رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم he said some of the words that we have gained from the previous prophets are إذا لم تستحي when you don't have haya فاسنع ما شئت do whatever you like do whatever you like 
Now, there are three types of haya I want you to write about, uh, write in your notes and remember. Three types of haya. Haya number one is haya before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Istahyi min Allah haqqal haya, Rasulullah said. Have haya before Allah haqqal haya, as haya deserves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Bakr and other Sahaba said that they developed such a high quality of haya that they used to feel ashamed to be naked by themselves. I don't know if y'all feel me on that. I don't think you, you, you get it. I'm not saying you need to be at that level. You need to appreciate the level of haya. They would be so have so much haya of Allah that they would be ashamed that even by themselves that Allah is looking at me right now. And I, 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 and I just feel like I'm, I'm not covered. <coughs> Second level of haya, social haya, communal haya, shame in the community. And subhanAllah, someone came to my office, a student, mashallah, she literally, we were talking about this today, and uh, mashallah, it came um, in the book, so subhanAllah. Haya in front of the community, third type of haya. And uh, second type of haya. Third type of haya is what? Haya in yourself. Haya within yourself. And the, the first the first and the third have no connection whatsoever with the community. This is haya when you don't meet the moral standards and ideals that you have set. When you don't reach the moral ideals, the moral ideals, the moral standards, truthfulness, or whatever it may be, when you don't reach those, you will feel this sense of haya shame inside of your heart. One will be before Allah, the other will be before yourself. Three levels of haya. And these, these two are completely independent of the community that a person is in. Now, the problem though is the, is the second one. The second one is a social shame. And we talked about this a bit last week, I believe, right? We talked about this a bit last week. But this gives us a chance to go in depth on this because we just kind of glossed over it a bit. The second level is a communal shame. And a communal shame is when your community, because you share the same moral ideals, you feel ashamed when you fall short of that in the eyes of the community. But why? Because you share the same moral ideals. So a mature, a mature, a mature spirituality, a mature person, spiritually mature person, isn't ashamed in front of sinful people. Do you understand why? Because he doesn't share the same value system of them. So you can't shame me. I'm not ashamed in front of you because we don't share the same value system. Yes, I will feel ashamed in front of y'all if I do something I'm not supposed to do because all of us share the same blueprint of morality. Do you know what I'm saying? Now I'm going to take this on a deeper level though. There's something which uh, I've written about and uh, it's it's... Uh, a doctor, uh, her name is uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, Dr. Calhoun. She has a paper on the, the moral relevancy of shame. And I included this in the book as well. 
Here's the deal. What happens to a moral pioneer? What is a moral pioneer? Well, imagine you find yourself in a community where your morality, your level of morality, is far above the morality of the rest of the community. Is you, are y'all with me right now? Okay, a moral pioneer is defined as someone who's in a community, the moral level of which they are above. Got me? Okay, now here's the conundrum. If I treat people according to their level of morality, I'm accepted by them, and I'm, I'm praised. But if I treat, but at the same time, how do I feel about myself inside? Bad. Because I've dropped, I've, I've, okay. But if I treat people according to my moral standard that I engage in society, how do the people look at me? Bad. Can I give an example? The Rasul Sallallahu in Mecca. The Rasul Sallallahu in Mecca. What was he? A troublemaker? Corrupting the youth? Disturbing the community? Everything he's... His uncle calls him in. Says, please... What do you want? Just, just, just stop. We'll give you whatever you want. You're, 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 you're it's cursing the idols. You know, you're cor- corrupting the youth's minds. You're throwing off the economy. People coming to Mecca now. We made a lot of money. You're throwing everything off. What did he say? I can't stop. I can't stop. Why can't he stop? A moral pioneer has a problem. An interesting problem. They find themselves within a community, but their moral caliber, their moral compass is calibrated to a higher level. So they can do one of two things. They can drop to the community and just say, you know what, forget myself. I'm just going to adopt to the community. I'll be like them. Okay, uncle, I'll stop. I'll stop. Or they'll say what he said, which is, I can't. Why? Because there's three shames, right? And when these two shames, one and three, what's one and three? When these two are strong, you are blinded from number two. Do you understand what I'm saying? When these two are strong, that haya before Allah, like Turaka, airport. Airport's easy. I ain't gonna see none of these people again. Everybody's mad easy to bust out Rakah. Why? I'm not going to see nobody here again. Ever in life. But here's the situation. Praying here. Shame. Is there social shame from it? Let's be real. Yeah. Everybody. Right? Or foot in the sink. (laughs) Foot in the sink. Let's do foot in the sink. Is there social shame here? Yep. How do you blind yourself from that shame? by the two other shames. I'm so concerned with the sick shame before myself, and I'm so concerned with that shame before Allah, I don't even see the social shame. I don't even see it. Airports, he's like I said, you ain't gonna see them no more. That's all you gotta think about for that one. I'm never gonna see you ever in my life. What does it really matter? You're like a passing second in the 70 years of my, I'm not gonna remember you. Why would I stop doing, you know what I'm saying? So, the, the point the point being here is that um, 
but but here's the here we got to go a little deeper. Does everyone understand this point about the three types of shame? All right. And there's a saying I wanted to share with you that Imam Mawardi Mawardiyu he says um, he narrates that قَالَ بَعْضُ الصَّلَفِ one of the early scholars said to his son, When your nafs wants you to do some major sin, look Look up and have haya with who's in the heavens, angels, Allah, everything. If you don't do that, then look around you. وَاسْتَحْيِي مِمَّنْ فِيهَا Have haya around the people around you. فَإِن كُنْتَ لَا مِمَّنْ فِي السَّمَاءَ تَخَاطُ وَلَا مِمَّنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ تَسْتَحْيِي فَعِدْ نَفْسَكَ مِنْ بَحَائِمِ He says, if you can't rectify yourself by looking up and having anyone to have haya before and looking around you and have anyone to have shame around, then consider yourself from amongst the bahaim. Now, I've just... Went back to the social one though, right? I've just went back to the social one, number two. Number two was that the community is the type of haya that we have. So if you're in a good company, that number two is effective for you. If you're in, a, in, in an environment where people don't share your morals, you have to blind yourself from number two. Is everyone with me? Does everyone understand what I'm saying here? Okay. Now, with that said, I kind of want to talk about more um, this social level of shame. Okay. I want to correlate this to uh, driving on the road here in Texas. Well, not Texas. Texas driving is a bit different. But let's use it for the sake of argument. Um, I want to correlate this concept of shared moral ideals with driving on the road. Moral shame and the feeling that comes from being shamed has a positive effect even though the feeling is negative. The feeling of being ashamed is negative. And now remember, this is a justified shame. Justified means what? What does justified mean? Justifiable shame is when you're shamed by people who you share the same moral values with. That's a justifiable shame. So everything I'm talking about is not a shame that I'm feeling in front of people that I don't even share values with. You know how in high school you get shamed by just anyone? And by the time you get older, you can care less? You know what I'm saying? High school, everything is shameful. Anyone. Right? Because like you're so impressionable. But as you get older, you're like, I don't care what you think about me. Yeah, I care what grandma thinks about me. Yeah, I care with mom. I care with whoever, whoever, whatever, right? The imam, the community, the community themselves, the brother, uncle, who I'm trying to marry his daughter, whatever, right? Like, I care what they think about me. But the non-justifiable shame is an immature shame. So whenever I say the feeling of shame, I'm not talking about a wrong shame that we shouldn't feel. I'm talking about one that is felt by a community that I have uh, the same ideals with. Everyone with me? When, you're, when we're driving, one of the most effective means that we use to, 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 to correct action is the horn. The horn. Which up north is used way more than here. Y'all are so reserved on the horn. 
I was just in Jersey, like they just like be on the horn, yo. People have guns here. Yeah, see that's the thing. We use horn, they use a gun, like Yeah, you're right, bro. Cause the horn up there is just like talking. Right? Here it's like you hit the horn and was like, yo, what's going on? You got beef? We're like, nah, I'm just telling you to move up. You know what I mean? So like, anyways, I said it again. I was listening, never mind. Anyways. So anyways, so uh but okay, so the way the horn works though. If you think about it, we have rules for how we drive. And when I see you as doing something that breaks that rule, then I feel empowered to quote unquote shame you or bring you, make you aware of the wrong you're doing through that, uh, through that, through that horn. If you look at uh, lane departure systems, right? Oh yeah, I got those new whips with the lane departure system. Like how does that, how do those things work? Well, it understands that the ideal driver likes to be in between the lanes. And hence, whenever I go outside of the ideal, I'm going to alert the driver and put them back. Now, for some of us, it's very intrusive, right? But the way it operates is that it understands that there's an ideal way. Do you get what I'm saying? And based on that ideal, the lane departure system says you have now went out of the ideal. Everyone with me, right? So, so we empower that system to correct our wrong. We empower that system to buzz and beep to let me know because I have already ascribed to the <coughs> ideals of that system. Does this make sense to everyone? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. It, I can see in the face, not with everyone. Okay, hear me out. Lane departure system will make this loud sound when I go out of my lane, right? Now, what if I said, I want to be out of my lane? What would you say? Turn it off, right? But the way the system works is it assumes what as the ideal? What's the ideal? That you want to drive between the lanes. Hence, I'm going to let you know when you're not. So it's just alerting you. Huh? It's just alerting you to go back to your lane. It's just alerting you, go back to your lane. Why? Because you, oh driver, like to drive in the middle of the lane. Understood? This, this, the concept of a, of a social shame that we as a community don't allow wrongs, we as a community frown upon things that aren't ideal, is like that lane departure system that's saying, hey, you're going out of the way. And you can't say, hey, why are you talking to me? Because you turned me on. You're part of the community. You're driving on the road, and the road we assume that you're going to drive 45. You're going to, uh, you're going to uh, agree to certain parameters by the fact that you're driving on this road. And if you do less than that or more than that, you drive 30 on a 45, I'm going to beep at you. Why? Because you're not holding to the ideal. You, you understand what I'm saying? So social, we operate on this ideal of a social accepted principle, socially accepted <laughs> principles, and when we are out of those bounds, you should correct me. We operate that way all the time. But then when you walk in the masjid or when you walk in the community of, of Muslims and someone corrects you, you're kind of like, well, who are you to correct me or this and that. We don't like that so much. So I want you to kind of have it. Um, I want. So what we've done in this and what we've done is created safe spaces. And a safe space across universities and everywhere is like a place where there are no like it's like literally drive however you want. 
So if I drive fast, you don't, you can't correct me. If I drive slow, you can't correct me. Safe spaces. You know what I mean by safe spaces, right? Understand what I'm saying, right? Yes. To run further your example of the lane departure system, it's okay for the lane departure system to warn you when you're going from your lane you're on the road. Yes. If it's going off in your garage and it's like yo. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's, you want it to work in that in that area. So similarly, what we've done now, where we are, the reason why sometimes the masjid is too suffocating for some people. Like, why is the third space so so hip? One of the reasons the third space is so hip is because the lane departure system in the masjid beeps too much. Do you get what I'm saying? And in the third space, ain't nobody beeping. Now, I like to drive straight. I don't know about y'all. I, I like a community that keeps me driving safely. When I was 16, I didn't. But I'm a bit mature now. So, I mean, now it's like, you're the judge of you. You're, the, you, you're everything, it's, it's up to you. In that safe space, no one's gonna say, you departed out of the lane because there are no lanes here. You just come. But here's the deal. What happens when the third space itself becomes what? What? Ah, you get it. What? Tell me. The lane departure system. Yes. What happened? See, this is the problem with extreme liberalism. Explain what you mean, please. That essentially now what was what the rules are now on the road are these lack of rules. Yep. That's how we're going to operate. And we're yep. never going to go back to the way it was before where we actually had rules to follow. Yes. So then, so then wait, what happens when now someone comes into the safe space with, with rules? Do they feel, do you get what I'm saying? How do they feel? They don't belong. They don't belong. So now they need to create another safe space from your safe space. Do you understand? It's, it, it, it's, this is what, where the liberalism goes and to, it just keeps on going and going and going and going and going. So it's important that as we create like safe spaces that we keep those spaces open to everyone and we ourselves don't become another uh, space that other people aren't comfortable in, that don't share our ideals, so to speak. Because you just created another one. Everyone understand what I'm saying by that? So anyways, um, so this one, we're talking about Haya here. We're talking about three levels of Haya and what the author is telling us. Let's go back to our author now. The author is telling us that one of the effects, one of the effects of sins is that you will lose this Haya. Uh, you will lose this shame before yourself. You'll do whatever. Like it, you don't feel bad about it anymore. Now, inside the self, here's a little bit more notes. We're going to stop in a bit, right? It's been an hour. So we'll stop in a bit. But I want to go deeper on the shame inside the self. There's three types of nafs. Okay, please write this down. It's pretty important. There's three types of nafs. What are they? Nafsul amara bisu, nafsul lawama, and nafsul mutmainna. I'm going to go slowly. I got you. The Quran speaks about three nafs. The highest type of nafs is called nafs mutmainna. You can just write the contented soul. Contented soul. Uh, okay. Now, let me describe that soul. That is the soul or the nafs that is in complete conformity with revelation. Complete. 
Meaning it's, it itself doesn't want to do other than what Revelation says. Second level is called nafs lo wama. Lo wama. Lo wama. <coughs> this is called the blaming self. The blaming self. And it's the self that constantly says, like, Fahad, what are you doing? Fahad, what are you doing? Isa, what are you doing? Mikael, yo, I ain't seen you at Fudger. To yourself, to yourself. You've been. Like, that's nuts Lowama. It constantly saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's where the shame lies. This whole concept of shame, that's where it lies. But as you sin, you slip back into the next category, which is called nafs amara bisu. The nafs that is contented with evil. It's contented with evil. It only finds complete conformity with evil. So as it's disobeying, it feels no shyness. It feels nothing wrong. It's completely desensitized. And, and that's the lowest level. So, so what he's saying, what he's explaining to us is that this feeling that I am ashamed of my sins is a beautiful feeling, guys. You don't want to lose that. But as a person continually disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that, that, that feeling starts to dis dissipate and goes away slowly uh, but surely. Um, yeah, let me just read this last part and we'll take a break, inshallah. Uh, well, I mean, for the weekend, we'll take a break. Right? وَالْمَقْسُودِ أَنَّ الذُّنُوبِ تَضْعَفُ الْحَيَاةِ مِنَ الْعَبْدِ He said, the point is, the point is that sins take away haya from your heart, from the person. Until you can have no haya, completely gone. No shame before anyone. No shame before anyone. Until a person has no effect by people knowing of, his, of what they're doing. No effect, they care not. And even if they find out, he has no care. I don't care if everyone finds out, who cares? He says, in fact, what will happen, many of them, When a person reaches this level, there is no, it's very little hope that you can have in this person. He says, last thing, Al-Hayat comes from the word Hayat. What does Hayat mean? Life. Life. He says the word Hayat has the same base as as, as Hayat. He says rain is also called Hayat because it, it gives life to the earth. Haya is the life of your dunya and akhira. It's, the, it's, it's both places. So it's a beautiful thing. It has a lot of benefits. I know we mix up guilt and, and shame a lot. And we those are two different things. Um, and guilt can be a negative, negative thing. Uh, uh, Dr. Calhoun, she speaks about that in detail. But shame, positive shame, and morally justified shame. Right? Not shame because I'm not as buff as this brother right here, right? Or as cut up. Right? Not that shame. We're talking about moral shame, right? Moral shame that why am I not living up to a standard that I myself know I'm supposed to live up to? That type of shame can push you forward 
and, and motivate you and has a positive effect on who we are. So Allah give us tawfiq. I would say though, one of the ways to elevate your level of shame is sometimes you gotta change your company. Like you gotta, you can't, you can't constantly be around people who are doing worse than you and expect your shame worse morally, worse morally. You can't expect yourself to be constantly around people who have less connection with the deen and your hayat to go up. It doesn't happen that way. You will naturally lower your level of hayat because of you being with them and seeing, oh, at least I'm not at that level. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta constantly be in co company that's better than you. And like, you know, you go, like sometimes, you know, you spend company somewhere and everyone gets up for it to hajjit and you're just sleeping. You're like, uh, how do you feel? Yeah, you're like, let me get up, yo. You know what I mean? But if it's everyone's missing fudger, <laughs> then what high eyes there? Everyone missed it too. What's the big deal, right? So let's open up for, there was a question. Um, and I'm going to try to remember the question. So the question is, um, you mentioned that um, if you have a family member who are, the family members doing the sins. Yes, doing you're the sin. You're not the one who's doing the sin. You're not doing the sin. But then how does your hero dies? It's not the one, you're not the one who's doing the sin. Yeah, because, so the question is, how how do you lose Lira just because someone else is doing the sin? And the, the thing is, because they do it over and over again, you start to lose that, that capacity to feel upset over it. So it's more desensitization than it is... So you but you, exposed, yes, you may, you may, but but by these being desensitized, you now can watch them do all types of things, and you just have lost any feeling of type of leda towards them. Yeah, I, there's still some level of leda, no doubt. Like you, you know, you see someone you love in that situation, I think there's still some level of it, but I still think you just get burned and burned and burned and burned to a point where it just, and sometimes you'll witness things that completely break your data for that person. And what are you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Like, <coughs> yes, sister, please. When speaking in theory about it, it's all very logical and relevant, and, but when you, when you put it in context to your life, to your blood, it's a different topic and conversation completely. Yeah. So unfortunately, if, if it's something that you haven't experienced, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah protect everybody from that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we all have family members who, whether we have non-Muslim family members or Muslim family members who are not necessarily on the, you, you, you may have experienced where someone goes way out and you're like, if they're close to you, it hurts. It hurts, like I, I can't see that. And fathers, for example, will go to the extent where I don't wanna see that person anymore, whatever, whatever, because of the pain caused by witnessing that someone in, engaged in that, that sin, that thing that's wrong. Um, but it can, you can be desensitized to the point where it just like, you lose that ghira. Uh, you teach yourself not to be hurt. You teach yourself not to be hurt by witnessing that action. And that's a protective mechanism. Like, How is that related to Lira itself? Like, be, because because you learn to swallow your Lira. Okay. You learn to swallow it so much that it doesn't even come up anymore. Okay. You learn to swallow it. You learn to swallow it. Yes. 
it's a good question. Yeah, yeah, excellent question. Hope it's beneficial, inshallah ta'ala. Um, next week, Imam, Gaza, uh, Imam Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, he speaks about the effect on our, uh, how it affects our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and he goes into more detail about the effects of, um, yeah, just how it affects us individually, inshallah. Uh, so khair, inshallah, we'll stop here. Let's just recap really quick. He said, number one was realize that your sins have a communal effect. That was number one. Right, communal effect of your sins. Uh, number two was uh, the, uh, the the that fire of ghira in, inside. As you sin more, that drops. It just drops. It just drops. Uh, and number three, which is very important, al haya, al haya. In one hadith, the Prophet said, "A din haya kul." Like the din is all haya. And he says, as a person sins more and more, you lose that haya. First, you lose it in yourself. You lose it before Allah, and then you lose it with the community. You don't care what the community thinks about you. Alright, so Allah give us tawfiq, inshallah. I hope it's beneficial. Let's make a dua. Alright, make a dua for this little guy. He's a little sick too, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma sari ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya Rabbil Alameen Ya Allah we ask you to forgive us of our sins ya Rabbil Alameen Ya Allah and protect us from the evil effects of those sins that we have done ya Rabbil Alameen Ya Allah we ask you to make this class and this gathering a means for us to constantly and, and, and uh, continuously get closer to you ya Rabbil Alameen Ya Allah we ask you to make whatever we have learned here today a, a, a means of us becoming better, Ya Allah. We ask you to give us the reality of whatever, whatever we have learned here today. Put that reality in our hearts, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum.